0: So
1: you don't know who survived the Game of Thrones yet? You're waiting until later.
0: Oh no, I'm I'm. I told Tori what I figured was gonna happen. And what do
1: you think is gonna happen?
0: John kills Danny. Okay. Bran takes the throne. Arya says somehow. Like that's that's in my mind. That's how this is gonna go down. That
1: totally works for me. But what happens to John? Is he like the hand?
0: No, I think John dips. Like he he like like he goes with the. He goes back to the wall or. Yeah, like, just, like, like goes with Tormund, wherever he's at.
1: Tormund is the guy who's the leader of the Wildings? Is Tormund good now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. hmm Yeah. I, Bran was, like, the entire time I was reading the books was, like, my least favorite character. Mm-hmm. And having to watch him develop into, like, I was just, like, you guys are working this so hard. <laughs> like, have you been watching? No, no, not at all. So- I, I really don't care. And you can spoil it all you want.
0: So Bran has been, like, doing his warg thing, right? Uh-huh. But, like, nobody talks about it, and they don't talk about, like, the the idea that, you know, he's the most powerful thing on the planet. Like, he knows the future, he knows the past, he knows everything, and yet, like, nobody's going to him for advice? And, like, he can warg into human beings and dragons, but he doesn't warg into human beings or dragons? Like what, what? So they're doing nothing with it. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like you. You built the two things that pissed me off about the show more than anything um, for this this season are you spent ten years building up the Night King, and uh-huh. you just had Arya stab him and kill him, which cool because I love Arya, but what what was the point of doing all that build up if he's just going to get smoked like that? <laughs> like. And and what was the point of it? Where's what's where did he come from? Who is he really? Like yeah. Well,
1: it's their brand. I mean, that's like what they do is they get you like you they act like somebody's super important and then they kill him just for like
0: Yeah, but it's not even that. It's it's like it's like they they did literally like ten years worth of story and then just easily killed him off. Like the dragon, like uh Danny's like riding one of our dragons and like smokes, just breathes fire all over the Night King and it does nothing to him. Mm-hmm. Like, Like, why? Is it because he's the Night King or is he secretly a Targaryen and he's fireproof? Mm -hmm. And that's why it's called A Song of Fire and Ice. Like, You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, like they could have wrapped it up there. Like they've had so many places where they could like tie everything together and they don't. No. Yeah. 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 That's like the like the whole time. It's like, you know what? It's kind of related to like what we're always talking about with the Blazers, because like I gave up. on. Oh, my God. This is such a parallel, Dan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, my God. I just realized, like, I totally gave up on the Game of Thrones because I felt like it wasn't building towards anything.
0: Mm-hmm. See? This is See? what
1: you feel like when the Blazers, when you say the Blazers aren't building towards anything. Oh, my God. I uh-huh. totally get it.
0: And it's frustrating as hell. Yes, it
1: is. And- Although I'm like, it's a little bit different because, like, the Blazers are actually people. And yeah, the people in the Game of Thrones aren't really people, so you can say horrible things about them and, like, not mm-hmm. worry about it. Exactly. But, I mean, and you never say horrible things about
0: the boys, Never people, horrible but no. Um, but the, the other, like, the flip side of this is, like, the show coming to an end and this season coming to an end are kind of the same thing. Like, okay, well, now what?
1: It's perfect. They're
0: all just done. Because, I mean, I was we talking with uh, a couple people around the team and just, like, uh, a couple of the media folks and i'm like this is fun like this is cool i enjoy this like this run has been like this is reignited like some of my fandom that i think was lost as being like a media member right mm-hmm. and in doing so the realization that two of these guys are going to be back next year like that's that's all you know you Dame mean C- on Ray. the Blazers. I I
1: wasn't sure if we were talking Game of Thrones or
0: if be... No, 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 no. Right. Like yeah. Dame and CJ are the only guys you know are going to be there right now. Like, like at the you beginning don't... of
1: the year, because Nurk yeah, like, will you, be
0: back. You you don't know what Nurk's health is going to be. You don't know uh what the Blazers are gonna do in the offseason with any of the expiring mm-hmm. deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? There there are there are there are actually five guys that you know are gonna be there: Dame, CJ, Ant, Trent, and Collins. And, and Zach is going to matter one way or the other, whether it's a good matter or a bad matter, right? Right. I mean, th- that's like well, those are the things no, that you.
1: He's clearly somebody that they have established as the future, at least yes, you know, exactly. for the more immediate term future.
0: Let's let, let's let's hope he's 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 more Jon Snow and less Rob Stark. <laughs> like oh, you know, like that. Don't whole even idea.
1: get me started on Rob Stark.
0: <laughs> but <sighs> I mean. Like there, there's sh- like it's it's kind of corny to make all these parallels, but like the more you look at this right now, the more you're just like, um.
1: And sometimes it feels the same way.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think in this is where I think like some of the, um, like some of the the back and forth on Twitter where people are like losing their minds about how Game of Thrones is in, and, and I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I want more storyline, but this is like the difference between the storyline and the spectacle, right? Like where some people are like yeah, but we saw like these giant armies go at each other and this, you know, this awesome cinematography and blah, 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 blah. And you watched Daenerys literally like light entire city on fire and you got the bird's eye view and you got the Kleghans going at each other. Like you got like these fan services, but it kind of like, it was fun. But at the same time, you're like, is it real? And I think that's kind of the same situation that you and I were talking about before the podcast, which just like, this this whole kind of pushback on the team losing to the Warriors.
1: Right. Well, and it's kind of like how it ended, it, you know, I mean, with, with both of these things, with, with Game of Thrones and with the Blazers season not saying it's over yet. You know, there's still a few more games to play. The Blazers could pull few off more. a miracle. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. But it's the way that it ended where, like, you know the end is coming and you know something has to happen. And then... It happens and doesn't go according to script. Or you had ex- certain expectations that it was going to end one way, and it ends another way. And, and it's hard. And people have oh, a lot of emotions about it.
0: Like Weiss and Benioff rewrote the, the Blazers script here. I mean, you want to talk about story, narrative, and, and and spectacle? The Blazers winning a first round series and exercising that demon like it has storyline, like no BS fairy tale narrative woven into it, but like all kind of modern fairy tales, this has kind of been like the take on things that are out of this world lately. It's, it's more about the not achieving it than the happily ever after. Like if you look at all the shows, how they've ended, like all of the the great shows recently, Sopranos, the wire thrones, like it's not about the happy ending. Right. Mm-hmm. And It's, I think it's more about the journey. And I know that's something you've touched on in the past a lot. And and when the Blazers won that first round series, you and I were talking like off the pod about, I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy this. I I don't, I don't care what happens anymore, good, bad, or otherwise. I'm just going to enjoy this. And I saw a lot of people echoing those same sentiments. But then last night happened and people lost their ever loving minds. Mm -hmm. And I just, I know it's easy to get wrapped up in the moment and I'm the last one to say, you know, to, to, you know, kind of step away from the moment, but it, it it was weird. Right.
1: Right. Well, so emotions were running really high last night. I was at the arena and were you at the arena too? Did I see you down there? No,
0: I was not. We, you were we not were, in
1: the arena. Okay.
0: It going to be the technical difficulties and okay. all that well, stuff. So. Well,
1: anyway, I was at the arena, and the crowd was, like, super intense and super into it. And the first half was awesome, and we were yelling and screaming. And then the wheels kind of started to fall off. And then, like, I could just feel everybody the emotions of, of everyone around. It's like we'd we'd all held on the to you know we'd all held ourselves together and then themes just kind of started to feel like they were falling apart and like i totally understand that like people have emotions and they have feelings and i would never tell them not to feel what they're supposed to feel but what i started hearing were things that were like the types of things putting down damian lillard and complaining about damian lillard and i I'm not going to disagree that Damian Lillard has not had a great couple of weeks. He hasn't played to, like the Damian Lillard that we are used to. He also happens to be playing the Golden State Warriors. Um, But it's separated ribs. Right. I mean, and but even all excuses aside, because he would never ever ask for anybody no. to get, make any no. excuses for him. But it's like we get caught up in the emotion and we forget that he's the a huge part of the reason that the Blazers are where they are and that we're still watching basketball two thirds of the way through the month of May. And so I just wanted to like point that out to people because, you know, we get caught up in what's going on and people start saying things. And you and I have talked about this before in terms of one of the reasons that Portland loves Damian Lillard and is because Damian Lillard has has always act, you know, said and acted like the guy who's going to stay.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: after having been left a couple of times, I think we're pretty fragile about that. And you, we've yeah. talked about how, you know, Damien really seems like he's the guy who's going to stay unless something goes really, really, really wrong. And in my mind, I worry that something going really wrong would be, you know, things getting out of control in terms of him hearing something from the, the fan base or the narrative getting all off the rails. And I don't think there's like any one person who would ever be responsible for making Damien leave. But if the feeling changes and he can sense it and he decides he doesn't want to stick around, to me, that's the most scary thing of all that could happen. Yeah, And I just want like the Kevin remember Dur- that.
0: <laughs> yeah, No, it's, it's, it's the Kevin Duranting of Damien Lillard. Like, remember, you, you know, the uh, Mr. Unreliable in the paper. Against Kevin Durant when they dropped the series against the Warriors, um, I mean that that kind of thing is—that's what they call be, them. Yeah, You're right. So right, why would you want to stick around if that's what's going to happen? And and, if, and listen, it's not thin skinned if you know thinking of like you know, if people, it's just so easy to say just ignore social media, just ignore what the entire world is saying around you. That's not an easy thing to do, and for people to just like throw that stuff out, it's it's dumb. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. I have the most minuscule of social followings, and the amount of crap that I have to deal with is insane. I can't imagine what a mega superstar mm-hmm. who is active on social media and is active in the community and is active everywhere and puts himself out there in a position to like really answer questions and, and take the responsibility in post-game press conferences and, and pregame shoot arounds. Like Dame is recognized as the most honest and, and, and respectful and willing guy in the league as far as like being honest with his answers reporters. And so for like for the, if the narrative changed against him, you damn well better believe he'd be aware of it.
1: And do you think? I really think that it's like a a vocal minority that we're it's a really loud. clamoring. It's they're very very loud. That you know people, but I I really don't think that you know when I talk one on one with people or in smaller groups. I hear so much support and, you know, genuine love for Damien and what he's done for this city that I really don't think that that's the overarching feeling of the fan base right now and I would hate for people to think that I think everybody in Portland, you know, doesn't believe in Damian Lillard. I don't mean that at all. No. I just mean that as we put stuff out there, just be really careful. Because, you know, it might be misconstrued and it, everything may go haywire if we're not careful.
0: And the thing is, and I'm not going to throw any, anybody in particular into the bus who I've been talking to over the last couple of nights, but this whole idea, like, because the Blazers have played so well in the playoffs, that this whole idea that Damon and CJ are on the same level and platform as Clay and Steph is, it's comical to me. And I, I don't mean that as a slight to Damon and CJ. Like Dame and CJ are phenomenal players, but let's talk about Steph and Clay right now. Are are they both surefire first ballot Hall of Famers? Mm-hmm. Are Dame and CJ?
1: They might be. I, Give them a I couple of years, and that's I, I think, think, think the thing is the is that the Golden State Warriors have a couple years on them.
0: Yes, and and this is like the, not to bring up the whole Dame CJ like backcourt debate, but this is. This has always been. Let me we go rewind this even further. The same problems the Portland Trailblazers had at the beginning of the season are still there today. That that's, that hasn't changed. Damon and CJ are both still a small backcourt. The Blazers still don't have a lot of wing depth. And when Cantor or excuse me, when Nurkic went down, one of their advantages was taken away from them. So, for people to get all of a sudden upset about the same problems that were already there is very, very weird to me. And also, I think it's kind of... Not this is going to sound corny, but I think it's kind of disrespectful to what the Warriors really are. The The show that Draymond Green put on last night was insane. I, you can't play a better game from his position than what he did. He, he literally impacted the game in more ways than I thought humanly possible for a guy that only took 12 shots. Mm-hmm. And, and that's nuts. That's nuts. And I I was talking just like scheme and playbook. And I saw a lot of people saying that the Blazers have the, the depth. They're a deep team. They have all the talent. They do not have the same level of talent. There is not a player on the Blazers team that can do what Draymond Green does at the level that he does it at. And then the Warriors have guys who replicate it. They have Iggy. They have Clay. They have Three of the premier defenders, the probable best defender of this generation, a first team all defense caliber player in Clay Thompson, and a former all defensive player in Iggy. And then you substitute guys like Livingston and Looney and all this stuff. And the talent disparity is vast. That's, that's just the reality of it, but that's not a knock against the Blazers. We've talked about this a billion times, Tara. This is the most talented group of players that have ever been on a team before. Like it's, it's, it's not going to happen again.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with any of that. And I've been thinking about it all day. Kind of like how, how we're going to talk about this because you know, the easy, you know, one thing that we can say is just like, they're simply out talented. Like you, you pointed out. Um, and then that's kind of like period, end of story. Like, where do you go from
0: there? Because it's it's the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> yeah. But I, mean, I think people like we're so like we we beat it into our heads, and we see them kind of suck through the regular season, you know, air quotes, kind of mope through. But guess what? Dre dropped thirty pounds coming into the playoffs. Like he played himself into shape. Need to get a hold
1: of his trainer, right?
0: Whew. I'm on this keto diet. I've dropped twenty pounds in a month, and I'm like. I, I I could I could go for that Dre diet right about now, but he also said something else in the post game. He he got tired of crying. He said I, I was I was more worried about crying than playing, and you can see that. Like the the dude is just bawling out of his brains. But as far as it pertains to the Blazers, because I want to get back to this, because I saw a lot of people talking about the Blazers need more ball movement, they need more player movement. Here's the thing: Steph, Clay, KD, Draymond, all of these guys are some of if not the best at what they do in in, in the history of the NBA. KD may be the best isolation scorer in the history of the league. Steph is the best shooter in the history of the league, and Clay's top five. So the gravity that these guys have when they move around the court is significantly different from that of Damian Lillard and CJ McComb, or an Alfred Camino, or Rodney Hood, or a Mo Harkless. They all have levels of gravity, but they don't. the only one who has all 10 eyes gravity is Dame. The Warriors have two, three, sometimes four of those guys on the floor. And so w- the difference between how you trap the Warriors and versus how you trap the Blazers is just significantly different. The Warriors commit to to Damian Lillard. They they are perfectly okay with Alvaro Camino getting twenty five shots a night. Same for Rodney Hood. Same for Mo Harkless. As long as it's not Damian Lillard, and the, you can't do the same thing to the Warriors because you can't be okay with Clay getting twenty five good looks. Like that's just not something you can live with. And so th- th- this whole idea of how. Um, the Warriors trust Kevon Looney, you know, to finish plays. Did you see the 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 plays that Kevon Looney finished, Tara? That they were uncontested, wide open dunks because the Blazers committed five to the Warriors four, and that's just that's just the nature of what they do. And I've heard people say, "Well, why can't you trap Steph the same way?" Because of gravity. That's why you can't trap the same way because of that skill. It's.
1: There's just so many other options. And there's just only so much you can do when there are so many other options, I think. Is that what you're getting at?
0: Yes, and and that's just and that's goes back to the crux of what we talked about coming into the season. Alfred Camino is a nice player. And in basically any other generation of like title teams, I think this iteration of Blazers, if Nurkic is healthy, you've got a puncher's chance. You're probably still gonna let's take the Miami or the, the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Do they have a true uh, superstar in Giannis? Hell yes. But other than that, they've got a lot of really good players. They have another all-star in Chris Middleton, but it's it's a top three guy, an all-star, and then depth for days. But are they so overwhelming with top-end talent? that they're just this unstoppable force. Yeah. We're just
1: hoping that they can challenge the warriors. Like with all of that going on, your point is that we're just still hoping that they can challenge the warriors. We don't know for sure. Yeah.
0: Right. And if if this was a blazers bucks series and the warriors never existed and everybody on the blazers is healthy. I still think you you probably lose against that bucks team. Certainly. But I think you've got a puncher's chance. Mm -hmm. I think you've got an ability to hang with them. I think people forgot what it was like when the Warriors won 73 games like this team can just eviscerate anything and everything in its path. And it doesn't have to necessarily to do as much with scheme and, and play calling as much as it's just talent. And the Blazers have tried to loosen all those knobs. Terry Stott started Myers Leonard last night. We, we, we've talked about how buried on the bench he is. Terry is trying everything. Mm-hmm. To try to get every last inch, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> so what, 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 like, what do you what do you do? Well, so that's kind of what I want to
1: turn to because so we've talked a lot about the Golden State Warriors and their excellence in in many ways. I want to kind of shift our focus to what we've seen from the Blazers and what we can learn from, if anything, from what we've seen from the, from the Blazers, and it'll touch on what you just started talking about with um you know terry stotts trying some different things because at some point he's just gonna have to but what i want to do is i want to like kind of i was writing a list of like things that aren't going well and things that maybe we can build on so i want (laughs) to read you my list It was a long rant i'm sorry i just no i get it like i said i understand everybody has emotions that they have to get through right now so you ready let's let's do it okay so this is my list of things that are not going well I wrote bad and then I crossed it off because that's how I am you know me so three (laughs) losses that is not going well (laughs) so I'm gonna read them and then you kind of just react um you know after I'm done with the list okay so game one 21 turnovers oof not great Damian Lillard turnovers 7 in game 1, 2 in game 2 and 5 in game 3.
0: Is he still at the more turnovers than field goals made? I don't know, I didn't look at He's, that. He 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 was, you know what, I've got the stats right here I right. just
1: But p- turnovers as I'm saying are a problem. Okay, so that's one thing. Shooting. Aminu is shooting 20% from 3. CJ is shooting 27% from three and 62.5% from the free throw line. By the way, they missed 15 three throws in game three. So that's another thing that is not going
0: well. So Dame has 15 made field goals in three games and 14 turnovers.
1: All right. So he's got more field goals. That's good.
0: <laughs> We're on the up and up baby.
1: <laughs> Thanks for <are> turning around. <laughs> So those the turnovers and the shooting, like how much do we worry about those things when we look at who the Blazers have been playing?
0: I mean, this is the thing: the Warriors are the one team in the NBA again who can throw three six foot seven all world defenders at Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum pretty much the entire game. Um, we've seen for long stretches of the night that's, um, uh, Clay Thompson is picking up uh, Damian Lillard. Uh, very often, um, when they're bringing any sort of pick and roll, it's either Looney or Draymond Green coming as the double, and they're trapping 35 feet from the rim. Uh, if you guys, if anybody follows me on Twitter, I threw out a couple video clips last night and a couple screenshots at the at the at the base defenses that both Lillard and Curry are walking into uh, in the half court, and it's it's night and day. Like that's that's just what what they have to deal with, and so for those guys. And I, did so you read? The, you
1: don't get a turnover, then you get a bad shot. <laughs> yeah,
0: and did, did you read the article from from uh, Kirk Gold, Kirk Goldberry from ESPN? He's the guy that does all the uh, data. The three pointers. Yeah, well, uh, the expected value of of Dame shots, like his, okay. his the quality of shots that he's getting. This is all data from spe- from Second Spectrum. Uh, I want to say the expected uh, field goal percentage was something like thirty two percent. And he was at like forty five percent, and so he was he was outperforming the level of shots that he was getting by a significant margin. Um, The other part of it was that the Warriors have basically shut off the paint from him, Mm -hmm. and this is where I'm not trying to harp on this again because I know it's a dead horse. The difference between having a six foot one point guard and a six foot three two guard and a six foot one point guard and a six foot seven two guard are are different. In that the size makes difference as far as how you cover it, because when Dame gets into the paint, what what has been his major problem, Tara, when he jumps in the air? What when <laughs> when, when, what when Dame Lowe drives the, drives the lane and gets up in the air, what what happens?
1: Like running into crowds of people,
0: the crowds of people where he can't see and he can't get a clear line of sight and he can't get a clear path, a clear pass off, and that's that's part of that is a size thing. And part of that is as is, is a, as is a learning component. Like if you want to look forward to to next year, one of the things I think Dame will look at is learning how to keep his dribble alive under the rim. All uh oh Chris God, Paul, and John Rondo, because that's the counter because there's been too many times this, this, this playoff season where Dame has gotten caught in the air and he's been such a great finisher around the rim. Um, and like just with circus finishes over the last couple of months, I think we kind of took it for granted how good he was. But when you send two, three, four, you know, six, seven to, to six, 10 dudes <laughs> to, to block it off. And he's, he's just not big enough, long enough, athletic enough, explosive enough to finish over that. He's not Giannis and that's not a knock on him. That's just not his profile. And so to the ability to kind of keep that going could open things up. But so basically this all this is a long way of saying, Dame has actually shot better than what has been expected of him. That's the level of crowding defense they're playing on him. And you flip that over to guys outside of Harkless, Myers, Rodney, and Evan. I think those are the only guys that have actually shot with any kind of decent regularity in this series.
1: Well, you're getting to my next column of things that we can build
0: on. Yeah, I mean, it, what's, what's crazy is the, the, Mo's, again, in limited numbers, he's only taken seven threes in three games, but he's hit three of them. Like, like Mo has had, when he's been engaged, he's been effective offensively. Defensively, I think he's kind of been neutralized. I I still think he's fighting the ankle. Mm. I, I, he's looked a little bit flat-footed. I mean, this team is just so beat up, Tara. right. Well, they're not making excuses. They're just beat up.
1: They are. They're they're beat up and they're tired. But you know that's what you get when you get in the playoffs. So here are some things that I think I we're gonna we'll probably talk about this more later. And I want to say things that we can build on, but I don't know how many of them we can build on given the considerations of whatever is going to happen this summer. So that's the big I'm not talking about building on for years to come. I'm just saying maybe building on for getting a few more games out of this series. <laughs> and you brought up one is that Harkless is uh, shooting well. He's 42.9% from 3 and granted not a high volume, but that is consistent with how he was playing pretty much the whole second half of the season. And to me, as someone who's tried to advocate that, you know, Harkless has arrived and he's going to be consistent. I was really glad to see that he's still managed to maintain it mostly through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is that there are role players. Every game, there have been role players who have stepped up. And so game one, both Harkless and Rodney Hood came up and were scoring big. In game two, Myers, you know, played well. He played, I think, was game two. He played the whole fourth quarter, which may be mm-hmm. why Stotts decided to start him the next game. He played the whole fourth quarter and had eight points. And Seth was active with four steals. So I thought that was... Uh, and he shot the lights out in game two. Seth did? Yeah. I can't... I didn't remember. I was stuck on his steals. Um, and then, again, game three, Myers has a fantastic game, at least the first half. And... um so, you know, those are all things that maybe in the past, if it wasn't Damon, CJ, there weren't a whole lot of other options. And it's, you know, I think that's something that uh, I've gotten out of this playoff is that in the big moments, there have been guys who I was not expecting to step up and shine who stepped into that.
0: You know, you know who the only player is with a positive plus minus on this team right now? Evan in the playoffs? Turner, round 0.3.
1: Evan Turner uh, we,
0: with a point three. Well, that, that's that's his average. It's 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 one. He's a plus one over yep. th- in the total. Like, he, it's,
1: yeah, he has it, the best field goal percentage too. That was in my third column, which is uh-huh. labeled surprises.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like if you want to talk about how weird this this series has been, but that's that's what the Warriors in every opponent, Like I fully expect they twist like, your mind all around. Yeah, not only that. Number one, Billy Donovan should be fired for his ineptitude. For, for the game plan he put together against this, against this Blazers team. And I, and I mean that with all sincerity. The fact that he let Damian Lillard go at Russell Westbrook or Jeremy Grant or Terrence Ferguson single coverage mm-hmm. is one of the more ridiculous things I've ever seen. The Nuggets were like, hey – it kind of worked. And then, then you they know they, they roll around never again. Send two, please. And, and they, they just don't have the horses. Like Torrey Craig's a good defender and Gary Harris is a good defender, but they aren't clay and Iggy and Dre. Like they, they don't have, they don't tick all the boxes of size, length, athleticism, IQ. It, it's like, it's overwhelming, right? The warriors though, they have that. They can tick all those boxes. And so I, I think if you're a coach of the NBA and you're playing against the Pro Blazers in the playoffs as this team is currently constructed, if you're not sending the trap that the Warriors are sending, you need to just go home. And the other thing I think it came out of that, that Second Spectrum article was that Damian Lillard is being trapped at a historical level. The most any player had ever, had ever been trapped, like as far as the data goes back, was nine times in a game.
1: Uh-huh. And what's Damien looking Damien looking at over 18 a game? Oh, dear. lord!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I had people coming at me talking about how superstars face this kind of defense all the time. No, they don't. <laughs> they do not face this defense. This is this is unprecedented pressure being put on Damian Lillard. So that's that's why like, I wanted I wanted to bring it back to that as far as like the the what he's able to overcome and then kind of twist that back to the role players here. I think you've seen Rodney Hood showing he's a capable role player. I think you've seen Myers show that if you're willing to live through a mistake or two, he's a more than capable role player. Uh,
1: you know what I liked about what I've seen out of Myers for he's played two of the three games in this series mm-hmm. so far. Is that I'm not at all saying that he's replacing what Nurkic was able to do, but Myers has been able to do a little bit of more off shoulder, a little bit of that offensive load in terms Mm -hmm. of running the ball through Myers. Myers has been making a lot of smart, uh, passes and has moved the ball
0: pretty smartly. Like he's found catching in that roll spot and finding the open guy.
1: He had That's- a couple of nice rolls that he got, I think, from CJ, and he either took it over the top and uh, brought in it himself, or he found Harkless cutting. He's been mm-hmm. a couple of times where he catches it, and you can see he knows where everybody is on the floor, and he knows whether or not he has the best shot or if he can pass it on to somebody else for a better shot. And I didn't see – that not that I don't think Cantor is capable of that. That just didn't seem like the kind of game that he plays. That's not his plays. game.
0: No, yeah. he's a, he's a Zach Randolph type. This isn't, again, this isn't a shot at him. He's a bit of a black hole. Now he's trying when the Warriors bring that double to swing the ball, but that's not in his nature mm-hmm. with, with Nurkic and with guys like Jokic, like Jokic to the extreme, he, he wants to overpass. Mm-hmm. I think Nurkic kind of finds that sweet spot of it's my, it's my, it's my turn. I need to take the shot because I need to keep the defense honest mm-hmm. and throwing that little bounce pass or, you know, hitting the, the, the skip pass out to the corner. Mm-hmm. Myers, we, we've we've talked about this over the years, Tara. Myers is a good passer. Mm-hmm. I, I mean that <laughs> that one handed sidearm, you know, shortstop pass that he threw to Harkless right, directly right. under the rim, right? Was the one insane. That he passed it back out to him. Yeah, yeah. But that he just takes the ball and just whips it on a line drive. And Harkless isn't a guy I normally associate with having great hands, but he catches that. And immediately like, no nah, man, this is you whips it back out to Myers. That may be one of my favorite plays of the season mm-hmm. because in, in, did you read uh Quick's article?
1: Yes. Which okay. everyone
0: should go. Listen, go read quicks recent article of talking about not really covering game three and his relationship with Myers, right. uh, a story about hit one of his best friends and what that game kind of brought it all together. It's, it's truly amazing. But in that, Mo talks about how Myers kind of found his groove, and he wanted him to find, you know, to keep it up because who he is and what he is and how hard he has worked. The, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, and we've talked about this before. In practice, he's he's an absolute terror in, in these off-season workouts. I've had players around the league tell me if if he's able to put it together, he's he's nearly unstoppable physically. I mean, when you see him roll to the rim and dunk, it's 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 ridiculous there aren't guys that big that move like that with that kind of power. So when you see him put it together and you see him, like you said last night, Tara making the right decisions in those positions where it's easier to pass or that little pull up spin, baby hook or the, you Get know, behind that, the
1: back best.
0: Yeah. Or the, <laughs> call the CJ. He, he actually hitched on his first three. And in, in, I think all of Portland collectively was like, no, just shoot it. But he found it. And I think nine out of ten times in the past, that's not a shot he comes close to, to hitting. But he hitched and then he regathered and knocked it down. And I think that's a credit to Myers, and I think it's, it's a great building block. And for Stotts to give him that opportunity in game two and then the, then to reward him, I think says a lot about the relationship of this team, right? The, if you're talking about positive things to build on, I think that's something in the intangible section you can talk about. Is that I think these guys are 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 going to go. You know, I hate to use this cliche, but going to go to war for each other tomorrow.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah, I mean D- Myers is already tweeting about it,
0: <laughs> and I think that's I think that's a real thing. And I and I hope Stott starts him again mm-hmm. because even if he doesn't play well, you know if he makes a mistake here or there. He is going to bring it. And I I feel that way about all these guys.
1: I know you must have had a moment or two where you were like, oh, that was good. Even in, you know, even in the losing, you must have had a few favorite things that happened. So, Okay. Like it was
0: for, for starts to give him the start. That was huge plays or I mean the, the inside out play. The the big thing, and if if, you, if you've if you've watched it all on, on on Outsiders in the pregame show, one of the things that I've been preaching about when Myers gets on the floor without Nurkic, without Cantor on the floor, and we've seen this break down through these three games when when one of those guys isn't on the floor, the screen setting is abysmal. Evan Turner is the only guy outside of Myers and, and Cantor who are active right now who I trust to set a screen. I mean, it's it's, it's Zach's just not big enough yet. He he tries, but he either gets called for a moving screen or the screen's not there. It's just it's just not in his bag. Yet. he's got to he's got to bulk up or or find a way to get that wide base, you know, wh- whatever it is. Do a lot of squats, get a big butt. Um, but Myers' screen setting has been huge. Uh, it allows Dame and CJ to turn the corner. If not for a good look, it's opening that space up so they can find the right pass and, and find those opportunities.
1: When Myers is in with Dame and CJ. And this is like, I have no way to quantify this, but I sense a trust from either Dame or CJ when they are in there with Myers, probably simply because of of the amount of time that those guys have been together. Mm -hmm. Like when, you know, at the beginning of last night's game three you know i was like awesome they're gonna start they're gonna set the tone of myers is there to just clear space for Mm. damien and cj and they seem to really trust him i have one like completely random observation that was like one of my favorite things i saw last night because it showed that the golden state warriors are fallible there was one (laughs) point where evan turner was in the corner and he had two guys run out on him. And I was like, yes, we're going to double Evan Turner. My life is complete. (laughs) I was like, what are you guys doing? But, and uh, so I was just like, (laughs) it was just nice to see that sometimes they do have lapses. I don't know why that gave me such a chuckle.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, there, there were, there were, I mean, that first half of basketball was beautiful basketball. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of people. And here's, here's my other complaint uh, about, um, reactions last night. And I'll kind of let this one go after this. But after the Damien Lillard crap was the Stotts got out coach. Oh, crap. yeah. I was going to ask you about that. What does that even mean? Uh, people want something to be mad about and they're going to blame a coach. Um, he, he's playing the guys right now who are, who are getting it done. That That's what he's doing. I mean, realistically, like, like he doesn't want to go to Myers, but he does because guess what? He performed and and i think that's always been true of stotts even even begrudgingly he'll go against it he does play guys who perform uh is his lee shorter with other guys certainly but as far as being out coached no what the warriors do is they kind of play this sounds terrible but they kind of play cat and mouse with you. What they do is they wait for the second half and Mm -hmm. they ratchet. It's not their offense. It's their defense. Their defense gets cranked up to 11. And then their offense comes from their defense. Think about all those threes and all those shots they hit in game two and game three in the second half. You know what those came off of? Turnovers, missed shots. Because in transition, this team is hell. They they have some of literally the best transition players in the league, hands down. I mean – Jordan Bell blew a dunk off a pass <laughs> from Draymond Green that Aaron Rodgers is jealous of. That pass was inch perfect over the shoulder in stride on the run from Draymond. And it was like, holy crap, that pass was so perfect. I I you couldn't even be mad at it. And then you go, ha. <laughs> when, when bell misses the dunk
1: and it went right into Myers's hands.
0: Yeah. And that, that was, that was pretty rewarding. Right. But like there were, there were plenty of moments last night where I felt like, okay, this is it. But there, when your first and second options are taken away in such a way that the Warriors can do that, like no other team can, you're asking guys who were already been moved up the pecking order to be moved up even further. And that's just, that's just not what happens in any sport like you can have next man up you can't have next five up mm-hmm. like that's just not that's just not a reality and so it I, I it's a little crazy to me when you talk about being out coached well okay so if that's the case you believe that Terry stotts outcoached the living pants out of Steve Kerr in the first half of both games and I, I don't think many people out there are gonna argue that I don't I, I argue for that. I think they're going to say, no, the Blazers just played well. Well, guess what? The warriors just played well in the second half. That's they didn't make a ton of adjustments other than let's trap and blitz and bring the pressure up higher.
1: I feel like That's kind of how Damian Lillard plays a lot of games is he feels things out in the first half, which Mm -hmm. is why he doesn't score a lot. He's seeing who's hot, who's on his team. He's paying attention to his own team and how everybody is doing so that in the second half, you know, then he knows who's hot and then, then he can really turn it on. And I've felt these last three games like exactly how you described it. Like the Warriors, the Blazers come out and show them what they've got. And then... They, like you said, yeah, Golden State just comes and says, okay, so that's what you're going to do. Here's how we're going to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And and they just do it. Well, let's try to figure out some things to end on, <laughs> on a high note here. Because <laughs> I really, I just. There's plenty of high notes. They're in the Western Conference Finals. I know. Up. I know. I don't want people to forget. Like, in my opinion, I never thought we were going to be. I never thought the Blazers
0: were going to be did. here. Anybody who says they did it is a liar and a thief. It's that, it's that simple. Nobody thought this was going to happen. That's what makes this so cool. That's also why people need to back the hell off. Like I understand being frustrated. Me, it, me, the guy who only wants to win a championship. I'm sitting here going, relax guys. This has been a cool ride. Like if I'm at this level, I I'm fairly certain everybody else can figure this out too.
1: How much do you think things would be different if Nurkic was playing? Okay,
0: that is the one caveat I will give up. I I, I still think the Warriors win, but I think it, it drastically alters because Nurkic does the the main thing you need him to do. While Myers is good in that short role position, Nurkic is near great. And on the the flip side, of that is he is he is consistently reliable as a rebounder, screen setter, play finisher. Myers, I think, has the potential and the skill to do some things even better than Nurkic, particularly spacing the floor, knocking down shots. Um, but his consistency finishing around the rim doesn't have the track record that Nurkic does. And I know Nurkic's field goal percentage is lower, but this is a Nurkic who's going to go against what? Kevon Looney? Mm-hmm. And then on the defensive side, h- him being able to come out and show. Slightly better than Myers, and we do again. Like I know I'm Team Myers, but we do need to give Myers credit for his ability to to cover. He, he he's shown better than literally every option the Blazers have put out there in the pick and roll. So tip the cat to the guy cause, how
1: how can you explain that a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I mean the the one thing he got burned by was a Steph Draymond pick and roll, and guess what, folks?
1: <laughs> Everybody gets burned Everybody by that by that one. Um,
0: but he's done a great job of staying, even with the role, man, taking away the option and challenging, uh, Steph shot. How many times have we seen in the last game and a quarter Myers challenge a Steph Curry shot and alter the living hell out of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at three point line at the rim in the mid range. Myers has done a very good job at that. And I want to take a minute to point this out. Cause I tweeted it out that, that foul, uh, on, uh, on, was it, was it clay? that he hit his hand or was it Steph? I can't remember where he got the three free throws and made it. Um, I, I have the truck feed for uh, the, the broadcast um, that shows the off air time. And uh, I saw the, the network talking to Steve Javis, um and Javy was like, that's, that's not a foul. That's that's hand to hand. They got that one wrong. And him and uh, Stan Van Gundy were talking about that. I'm like, huh, I wonder if they'll talk about that being a non-foul when they come back from the break and then they came back and they didn't talk about it. So, I just Mm -hmm. wanted to throw that one out there. That was the subtext of the tweet that I, uh, I put out then. Um, But yeah, more of the, uh, I hate refs.
1: (laughs) Why do you think, why do you think Cantor struggled? Or do you think it's just that Myers did better? Like everything else being equal, Myers had more options on offense or what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think, He he struggled in the areas that they couldn't be afford to struggle with him in. Um, and That's the short roll playmaker and his ability to come above the rim or above the the free throw Mm -hmm. line. Mm -hmm. And and Myers isn't, you know, as as graceful as a baby deer out there. Um, He's still a big, big dude. And he's going to get beat every now and then by one of the best pick and roll guards and maybe the best short roll playmaker in the history of the NBA. And Draymond Green, like that's that's something I've heard debated about, like not jokingly. Among many, many, many NBA players and executives and personnel, like Draymond is in that category of players in that position. So for Myers to acquit himself in that situation, I mean, that that's, there's not much more you can ask for Mm -hmm. realistically. So, um, and then Cantor, as good as he was rebounding the ball, he was struggling to finish at the rim with those opportunities. And the Blazers have played this horrible cat and mouse game of do we rebound or don't we? Mm -hmm. The, the the rebounding margins in these games end up looking bad because the Blazers in like shock therapy decide to go really small, trying to get some of these points back and spread the floor and be athletic and get in transition, and then ultimately just end up getting murdered on the glass because the Warriors, while they don't have – Bucks like size where they can throw out five, seven footers who can do damn near everything. They have a pile of six, seven to six, nine guys that they could throw out there and just abuse your six, one, six, three, six, two Dame CJ Seth. Right.
1: I would think that rebounding with the warriors would be extra hard just because they make so many shots. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I mean, that's you know, point. is that a weird thing to say?
0: and and the the other part of it is be, is because Steph is always relocating because Clay is always relocating. It's hard to get a body on him. It's hard to, to to play team defense and keep a body on those guys because of of what they do and how they play. and the the again, the other part of this is you, you don't dame's a, a a decent rebounding point guard. CJ's probably a little low for his position. Seth I mean doesn't doesn't really register. Uh, I think Chief is for his size a rebounds well Mo is probably about on average, but Myers isn't a rebounder, and neither is Zach and both those guys zach box or excuse me Myers boxes out because he's a behemoth, and Zach's still trying to learn that that positioning, although he did have one that he wrestled away from Bogut yesterday that was mm-hmm. really impressive in traffic that may yeah. be his most impressive rebound I've seen from him in his career.
1: I thought Collins has in this. In this um, series, I thought he's had some nice rebounding and I've noticed much less dropping of the ball and I've noticed him coming up with it in a crowd more so than he has before. I remember like the first two series or even just during the regular season. If so, first, you know, if he got the ball so many times, it was like somebody just took it right out of his hand. He's like, he's oh pushed. my gosh, what's happening? And like, that's not happening now. And he's, it's like, he's going for the ball with two hands and he's protecting it with, you know, with both hands. And then he's able to get it away from all the grabby grabbers underneath him. And I, I just wanted to point that out that I thought that this, this series, he's done well with that.
0: Yeah, no, he, he has shown a couple times where he's had some, I thought he would have no problem with. And he kind of shows a little bit of the the old kind of bobble hands. And then he's had some where he I'm like, there's no way he's getting I've, I've said it out loud. I'm like, there's no way he's. Oh, my God, he got that. Mm-hmm. Like there was one he, he took from Bogut. And I was like, listen, Bogut may not be as what he used to be. He is still a great A. Yeah. You know.
1: <laughs> you know what?
0: <laughs> exactly. And he will sucker you right in the ribs. And so to be able to hold on to that ball. Like he is, he is chief of the, uh, I'm not dirty, but I play on the edge. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's one of the last remnants of those guys, like him and Garnett and those guys. Right. And so for Zach to come up with a couple of those last game, I was impressed. The, the ticky tack fouls were listen. I mean, uh, nobody's going to confuse me for, for Zach's fan club, but he got the whistle he got was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Um, yesterday, but I, I thought he, I thought I've seen some more physicality from him among guys that are, are grown ass men. You like, know that, that, so that's, that's a good thing to see. If you're looking for yeah. something else to build on, I think that's a good one.
1: Well, yeah. I want to talk about Zach just a little bit more before we wrap it up, because, you know, like we said, things to build on, he will be, he's one of the guys who will be around next year. And I've really actually enjoyed watching him this whole playoff series You know, he hasn't always had great games, but, you know, he's in it. He's working hard. And I'm wondering what you think, if you could project into the future, like the best case scenario, like what he may turn into, like what are what do you think his skill set may be in two years if, you know, he develops the way that we're all hoping that he will develop?
0: I think your 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 best case scenario for Zach is I don't think he's ever going to be a playmaker. Because I, I his I don't think his vision's really there, and I don't think his hands are are, are all that great, and that's well, that, that's he's really fine.
1: defensive mind. He's very yes, defensive exactly. Minded. So
0: so he's not quite the Draymond mold as far as the playmaking part, but I think defensively, I think you try to employ him the same way as a guy who's a weak side helper, a trapper, a blitzer, a quarterback, a you know a feisty, get under the skin motivator. I mean, you you saw the broadcast, or did you catch any of the broadcast last night when uh, Draymond was trying to build up Jordan Bell after he missed the dunk?
1: No, I didn't see that. So, so
0: it was actually a really cool clip. He goes, hey, has he missed a shot before? And he pointed to Steph and he goes, points to Clay. Has he missed a shot before? He's like, "If I missed a shot before? And he's saying this to Jordan Bell. He's like, it's all right. You'll get it right back on the other end. And it was really crazy to contrast that with the Draymond we all know, who's a complete head case, right? So I I,
1: think he really is that much of a head case. I think it's an act
0: uh, part of it. Yeah. But, uh, I think Zach, I think that's where you can find him on the defensive end. Offensively, he's got to find a way. And one thing that I've noticed with his three point shooting over the last probably six weeks, he has made a significant effort to get his feet right. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that's when he's able to hit shots is when he can get his feet right. Cause if he doesn't get his feet right, there's no chance it's going in. Like I, I, I haven't seen many guys, like Clay Thompson is the complete opposite of this. He, Clay has hit more shots in this series with his com- with his feet and shoulders more awkward than I thought humanly possible when you could knock down a shot. Zach, for right now, he's got a nice shooting platform, but if his feet aren't right, there's there's literally no it's going in. Like he, it was a turnaround fadeaway three he had. I can't remember if that was that in the OKC series or was that towards the end of the regular season. It was a ridiculous shot. But one of the things I I remember when I rolled the tape back was before he let it go, he had his feet right. Mm -hmm. So his footwork was real clean, real clear, clear and crisp. And so I think that's something that he's going to work on this summer and his consistency finishing. When Zach has been aggressive, he got a a dunk blocked last night and he went off. I I call it the... uh, the LaMarcus Aldridge dunk. Remember when LaMarcus would kind of just let the ball go Mm -hmm. at the rim, as opposed to throwing it down. He, Zach got his stuff sent back because he didn't go up strong. Mm -hmm. That period in a story point blank. When he has gone strong, he has either drawn free throws or finished the dunk. And I think that's something else that, 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 that for him to build for it. So I think he'll be a best case scenario, play finisher at the rim, a opportunistic rebounder, And a floor stretching big. I think those are the things you're looking for.
1: Okay, yeah that that last one that I that you said is kind of the one that I'm wondering about how they're going to use him. Like because if he's going to be a center who shoots from like the long mid range out to the three, how's he going to be getting offensive rebounds? Like how do you balance that?
0: In I don't think he's at the I don't think he's at the five, and that's that's the other thing is if we're talking uh, as a forward then I, I think. Maybe he'll play some like best again. We're talking like best case projections Mm -hmm. here. Yeah, I think off the bench or playing against a bench, he can be a five. Mm -hmm. I I don't think he can ever be a five against starters. I just, right?
1: Well, plus the blazers, as long as they have Nurkic, they don't need him to be a five.
0: Let's say Nurk, the worst case scenario, Nurkic never came back. I I just don't think even (gasps) under that, put that out there. I know, but I, I don't even think under that scenario. I don't even think in that case, Zach would play the five. I, I just don't, I don't see him in that. I think he's much much, much more suited for the four. And I think he moves his feet well enough to where the only guys who would ever eat him up there are the LeBrons and Giannis' and and KDs of the world. And guess what? They eat everybody up. Mm-hmm. So I, I think on most nights, he, he's going to be well there. And that's something we'll see in this offseason, what the Blazers' roster look like. I mean, there's 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 a real likelihood that Zach is starting at the four next season. Maybe the Blazers opt to start him at the five. Let's say they, Nurk's not ready to go until... January, February to really, really resume basketball activities and the Blazers sign a, a Dwayne Dedman, but they want to start Zach and bring Dedman off the bench because they want to really give that experiment a try. I think that's probably the only chance they have of like saying will or will they or won't they or will this or won't this work. But I think those are the best case scenarios for him.
1: But either way, you you see him able to both be a perimeter player and uh, put back offensive rebounder. I mean, those two it seems like you got to be one or the other. But are there some people who
0: are mobile enough? Yeah, let me look. They can... Look at uh, Serge Ibaka. Okay, like, I, like, legitimately, best case scenario is Serge Ibaka. That that's that.
1: Have to drink a lot of chocolate milkshakes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm not talking about that bill because that man is <laughs> jack beyond feet. <laughs> but. What, what did Serge do in Oklahoma City? When he had his prime athleticism, what was he? He was a fantastic weak side shot blocker who was at or, or led the league in blocks. And if you heard CJ McCollum about a week ago, he, be- he firmly believes Zach will lead the NBA in blocks in the coming years. Okay, so I'll take it. So if we're talking about a weak side shot blocker, help defender, a guy that just cleans up mistakes at the rim, not necessarily the primary defender, and all of a sudden is a you know a highlight real putback guy, who kind of comes in off off the weak side, or uh, you know, just beats his man to a spot? I mean, Zach, for for all of his uh, ups and downs, he's he's never nobody's ever criticized his energy, so I, I, th- I think he has that motor to be able to be that guy. And Serge expanded his game later on in his career to get out to the three point line to be a more effective uh, offensive force. So I think those are the things that, like, if you're looking for a guy to target, I think that's the package he builds around is a Serge Ibaka type of player.
1: So last thing, and then let's wrap it up. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to happen next? What are you hoping is going to happen next week?
0: Realistically, I thought the Blazers would win game two. So I, I was putting that down kind of like, okay, this is, this is the game. They're going to win this game. And then, and then they would take the momentum from that and win game three at home with the crowd and everything behind them. Then I figured they'd probably drop game four, but it would make it at least an entertaining series. Right. And now we're seeing that Terry Stonks is saying like in his press conference today, I- I'm not really worried about strategy or execution. I just want my guys to go out and, and, and ball their butts off. And so, I think you're going to get a, a you know, uh, a showdown at the Alamo kind of a deal, the last stand. And I, I think the Blazers are going to get one. Uh, whether or not they get it, if, even if they do, I think they're going to spend so much damn energy. It's going to be really tough to get game five in Oakland, and it becomes a gentleman's sweep. I think best case scenario, you win game four, you're high on that, and you win game five, and then you drop uh, game six, and then I think in that scenario, you've you've acquitted yourself and you've responded in kind. But I don't think even if they get swept, I don't think that's like any kind of knock on them.
1: It's like, not at all oh. like last year when they got sw- swept. No,
0: you're getting swept in the Western Conference Finals without your second most valuable player. Your 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 most valuable player is beat to death. Um the the amount of things that you're dealing with right now. Uh, you've got guys who we've had questions before coming into this that were, um, you know, were wondering, you know, what's their contribution going to be, and so you, you, so many things you have that you're marking on here. And you're like, huh, well, I guess their luck ran out, and that's okay. He- it was a hell of a ride. I, I expect them to to give it everything and to to have a chance tomorrow night, and then we'll kind of see what happens from there. What about you?
1: Well, I think tomorrow night that after. Sleeping on it. Rip City is going to realize how grateful we are to be in this situation and that the hometown crowd is really going to show up. And no matter what happens, I think that they're going to be satisfied. I don't think they're as likely to be as anxious and even angry kind of as how a lot of people felt to me last night. I think people will be a lot I – just, I just think that people will probably have – not amped, not ramped down their expectations because I don't want to say nobody has expectations, but maybe like right sized their expectations based on the opponent. <laughs> and I think it'll be a good game. And then I think even if the Blazers don't win, I my guess is that it's gonna end with a much better feeling than last night's game did. At
0: least that's what I hope. I mean, it couldn't be worse. I mean, <laughs> people were getting pitchforks out for Damian Lillard, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm who yeah. who do I need to put down? Like. <laughs> Like it was, it was crazy. Like as, as much as I've been beat up for not being optimistic about this team, I'm finally at the point where like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Like even me, the pessimist is like, calm the hell down guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and that's, like,
0: you know, it's gone too far.
1: Like I said, I'm not going to begrudge anybody. their right to feel a certain way, but I think I am. Um, damn it. <laughs> I think upon <laughs> reflection, we got to just be careful about what makes it out into the into the world, because I don't want Damian Lillard to up and leave because he feels like the fan base isn't behind him. That would be like the worst case scenario for me. I don't
0: think that's ever going to happen, but it's. We were uh,
1: Wait, shoot. We were supposed to end on a high note. OK, so let's end on a high, on, a, on a high note, Dan, by you telling folks where they can find you and find all of your wonderful stuff. <laughs>
0: you can find me on blazers outsiders joe Simons, shane brandon and myself on nbc sports northwest before and after every game that the blazers have remaining and then all summer long um other than that you can find me on social media at dmarang instagram twitter facebook whatever you're looking for go ahead and drop me a message com- questions comments concerns i think everybody the most common question i've gotten recently is been quite a bit is every time I wear that Rip City baseball jersey where, where I got it. So for everybody else who's wondering, I got it at Rip City Clothing at Moda Center back in January and they only had like five of them. And I, I don't think they have any more left. So I've, I've uh, that is legitimately the most asked question I've had <laughs> all season. It, I've probably gotten it 50 times. Uh, yeah, which is cool because I I, I, I look
1: really great in that shirt. Dan, I, I,
0: I didn't I didn't think that many people like the shirt, so cool. Um, it was just something cool that I thought was there. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, it's uh, kind of ride or die now with one game possibly remaining. So uh, after that, I, I disappear um, for a month and, and go get engaged. So
1: yay! Can what we say pre congratulations if it Absolutely. hasn't actually happened yet? Okay, there
0: she, you go. <laughs> she, she, knows, she knows it's coming. She knows it's coming. So it's okay. It's, uh, it'll, be, it'll be fun.
1: Oh, that's exciting. Well, folks can find me on Twitter at TCBBigs. You can also follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. We've had some really interesting women on the podcast lately. So if you haven't listened to any of those episodes before, you should check them out because those we try to make evergreen. So even after, you know, six months have passed, they're, they should still be relevant. They're not quite as related to directly games as, um, the weekly podcast is. So check those out at Hoops and Talks. And you can also, of course, find the Blazers Edge podcast feed and whatever podcast catcher you use. You should, uh, go, like us and give us reviews and subscribe and unsubscribe and all that good stuff. And everyone let's show up tomorrow night and let's see if we can extend this, keep extending this wonderful season. And if the blazers can't extend it, then let's just, let's be really grateful for the remarkable run that they have had. Yes.
0: I will second that.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.